Hello everyone and welcome to Education Checkup. I'm Johnette Magner. We're a weekly podcast here at KTBS and we cover what is happening in education in Northwest Louisiana. I am joined today by my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. He is a cardiologist, but he's here as the a real champion of education in Louisiana. He's a former board chair of the LSUS Foundation and has been named LSU Shreveport Pilot of the Year and Alumnus of the Year. And he's won a million other awards, but I have to stop right here because we've got guests and we've got Me other too. things to talk about. <laughs> Much more important than that. Well, talk welcome Dr. Roseman. Uh, we're gonna talk about something today, uh, I think that everybody is talking about and everybody's thinking about. Uh, and let me introduce a couple of guests, our experts today. Uh, Jennifer Combs, uh, who's the pre-K facilitator for Caddo Schools. Jennifer, thank you for coming. And Pam Crook, who's the early childhood accountability specialist. So by now, people have figured out what that is. And it's early childhood education and care that we're gonna be talking about today. Um, and we've had a lot of discussion about that, but let's just start from the beginning. Why is this thing, early learning and early childhood education, why is that so important? Well, I'll, I'll begin, and, um, and Jennifer and I have talked about several things about this, but so I lead the work for our Caddo Parish Schools, for our Early Childhood Community Network. So if you've heard of Caddo Smart Start, it's the umbrella for all of our pre-K programs in the public schools. We have the charter school pre-K programs. We oversee the early Head Start, the Head Start classrooms. We early oversee the um, type three child care centers, the birth to four-year-old classrooms. And here's something that's new this year. We now have family child care providers who are in our network. So these are, um, child care providers who provide child care in their home. So there's another option for families. And so our network has grown. We have 428 early childhood classrooms that we are impacting, that we're working together, that we're pulling together to provide um, high quality instruction, to provide um, academics, uh, uh, components for the children, social emotional care, and so we're working that as a network. The reason why, 90% of the brain is developed by the time a child is five years old, by the time they enter kindergarten. And so we are working at birth to prepare these children to be kindergarten ready, to be readers, to be lifelong learners. We have just another little great tidbit. We also have these scholarships that we support families who are eligible into the child care centers. It's for ages birth to three. And currently we have right at almost 600 children that we're providing scholarships for. So we're working at the early age. We're working before that kindergarten age and to where kid, children are mandatory to go to school. We're trying to build that segment so these children are ready for kindergarten. Before we go, Jennifer, let me ask you real quickly. How I, I, that's wonderful, you know, that they were going from just the institutional uh, uh, early childhood child care efforts, also going to the home level. What about uh, all these uh, early childhood education, K 
kindergartens and pre-Ks in the churches. Is there any, is, how does that relate? That, That's part of the network. Honestly, our network is really for those publicly funded programs. Okay. It's where public dollars sue mm -hmm. where um, um, Title I comes in or child care assistant vouchers from the state or these scholarship dollars that we, the grants that we get from the state. Um, we would like to work with those entities, you know, um, and provide information to mm -hmm. them. Um, but the target right. is more for those yeah, publicly absolutely. funded. Mm -hmm. Now we uh, lost some federal dollars, or we are losing some federal dollars for early childhood education. I know our state legislature replaced some of them, but not all of them. What is that gonna, going to mean and what does the community need to do to help fill that gap? <laughs> Several things, yes, we did lose a grant, the B to three, or the birth to three funding last year. However, LDOE came back and they um, have a new pocket, legislature voted, and it's called CCAP B to three funds. So we did, because we had that before, we did get that funding back. Um, and so that's one pot of money. Another pot of money that we have, um, and I know that um, we talked about this last time with the Community Foundation and with the City of Shreveport, our network leveraged these entities to raise funds, and so they, local funds were raised for children, birth to three, and then we received a state match as well. So we're looking at probably um, seven to eight million dollars getting these children in to um, high quality care from birth to three years old. So I have a, a hard question I want to ask. Okay. Y'all ready? So I just did a five part series on truancy and we looked at the number of elementary school kids who depend on their parents to get to school who missed 10 or more days. And that number increased about 700% when you compare it to pre-pandemic. I'm thinking that early childhood is actually a good way also of establishing early on the importance of school and the importance of parents getting their kids there. And it, how, do, how do you think early childhood can help with the truancy problem, I guess is my question. I got an idea you wanna take? Well, I will jump in and say this. I believe that, you know, the, the cliche is knowledge is power. And one thing I think we have to do is empower our parents and empower our families. We have to get the word out. We have to get these babies in school. We have to offer them these services as we're doing in the network. And we have to let them know that it does begin early. It, we can't wait until five. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we have to build those relationships and we have to build that bridge of knowledge, of understanding that we need the babies present. We need them accounted for because we, you know, I think historically our parents believe, oh, you know, they'll, they'll get it once they turn five, once they get to kindergarten. Right. And so I think it's having those conversations and doing things like valuing all stakeholders and understanding that our parents are experts on our students. Mm -hmm. um, they spend the most time with our students. And so just bringing them in, working collaboratively, 
with them and understanding and developing that partnership with our parents and families and um, developing that understanding and awareness of the imperativeness of getting them in as early as mm -hmm. birth mm -hmm. um, and to three and beyond. Is, um, is transportation an issue in this? I mean, as far as I know, or I've been, I've listened and I've heard Dr. Gorey say in the past that we have more uh, sites, potential sites, and you have children to go in all the potential sites. Is, you know, the, what are the reasons that, that parents are not availing themselves of it? Is it the same issue that John is talking about with truancy, or what is it? I think we've talked about transportation, you know, to for families getting their children to a child care center, um, and um, in on the um, early childhood education committee that I'm on with the community foundation, we have brought that up several times of how can we help families, um, and so we I do know that's an issue. What I do think is great is we have 55 child care centers across our area, so. And it's also a family choice in that child care. And so I do also know we have families who will walk their children to that child care. That's still not transportation, but yeah. the, you know, somewhere they're living near an early childhood program to start. I think like LaShonda said, um, I'm sorry, LaShonda, Jennifer said, Jennifer sitting right here, not LaShonda, <laughs> but Jennifer said, um, was so important about empowering parents. I want, I want you to really talk about our new phonics, uh, um, phonemic awareness curriculum supplement we have coming up, but we have been trying to think about that parent engagement focus. Now that we're getting the children in, now we need to extend to that family. And so two things that our network has launched this year is we have a network-wide developmental screener so we're implementing in the public schools, the Head Starts, the child care centers, and it's ages and stages um, questionnaire three, and it is um, family input. And so it, because um, Jennifer just said, parents are the experts on their children. Sometimes we don't think they are, but they, re they really are. We can learn from them and then they learn from us, but the family actually completes the screener and then it comes back in. We look at it, if it's really, really off of what a teacher said, I mean, what a teacher um, observes, but because we want to help that family understand where their child is developing, what are developmental milestones, or maybe a family thinks that my child is doing great, but they're really behind and they need some extra support. And a family just doesn't know, they just don't know, doesn't know. a mama may just not know that, you know, and so, that's really engaging families. And then I'm gonna let you take it over and talk about our new piece too that we're adding. Yes, and to piggyback off of the ASQ3 screener, we are excited to implement uh, that screener this year, but it also allows us to support our families in tapping into resources that they don't mm -hmm. always know are available to their babies or mm -hmm. that their babies even qualify for or need. Mm -hmm. And so that's one piece in um, building that partnership and bridging the gap between um, 
education and the family home life, you know. Um, moving into Hagerty, I am so excited about Hagerty. Hagerty is a phonemic awareness supplement to our tier one curriculum. And it's based in phonemic awareness. And so historically what we've understood and, and what we valued um, coming from the kindergarten classroom as a kindergarten teacher for 16 years, even now in this position serving pre-K babies and pre-K teachers, we've always understood students need to know their letter names and they need alphabet knowledge, right? But what the science and what the research tells us is that that's not the most potent predictor of readiness and, and reading skills. It's really in that phonological piece. And so when we think about phonological awareness, it's an umbrella and it's the understanding of how to manipulate and understand sounds and how they work. And when we narrow that scope down more intentionally to phonemic awareness, we're playing with individual sounds. And so there's a reciprocal relationship between alphabet knowledge and phonological awareness. And we're working in this Hegarty component um, to massage that sound work in that phonological component. Component, Our babies as, and um, I'm sorry, as Pam, <laughs> to be colleagues, we, it's like we don't even know yeah, each no. other. <laughs> but as Pam said, our babies are so, their brains are so malleable between birth to five. And so I work more with the pre-K um, public school side of the network. And so what we want to do is make sure we are developing those foundational skills mm -hmm. in reading readiness. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do things like manipulate the larger units of sounds. We want to have nursery rhymes and we want to play with word parts and the bigger chunks of words. And then we want to narrow that scope. Um, down to isolating beginning sounds and ending sounds and medial sounds. And so we're excited about the work that we're mm -hmm. doing on the phonological end um, to partner that um, marriage, so to speak, with the alphabet knowledge and to really send babies into kindergarten mm -hmm. ready. Um, that was one thing I was excited about in taking this position as the pre-K facilitator for Caddo. I have served 16 years on the side of kindergarten. And so it's kind of the idea of beginning with the end in mind for me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, oftentimes I, I walk in, I say, what am I doing in pre-K land? And then it's like, I know where they're headed. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's our work, mm -hmm. that's our why, to get these babies in um, and to make sure that we're doing all we can to support the need in early reading readiness skills and get those babies ready to be readers. I'm no. laughing as I, I hear all of this because <laughs> every day I sit with my co-anchor <laughs> and I go, all right, how do you think we should pronounce this name tonight? <laughs> so, you know, is it Naron or Naron? That's what we had last, you know, N-A-R or Naron. And so we came up with it and we ended up being right. We were so proud of ourselves. And he said, and it happened on Millam Street. And I was like, Craig, it's Milam <laughs> Street. You know? So, it, you know, it is an important skill. Mm, there's to, that relationship at its best. You know, I think... Uh, I think we're all kind of beginning to get together on how we should be doing things. Yes. Uh, I think education's like medicine, you know, we sometimes we go off on a tangent sometime, and it appears that we're getting back to what it was phonics and phonemic mm -hmm. awareness, 
that we had departed from a little bit from and and getting back we're now all getting back together around from pre-k on all the way uh to literacy uh to me it it, it you know it's it's watching kind of watching this and the impact i think it's going to have a very positive impact because i think there's going to be once kids get the phonics right and get the uh, uh, phonemic awareness right i think that it's going to be a lot easier for them to read and hopefully we'll have a lot less children that are behind in reading and i think as we've discussed with a number of other guests on this program you know that's the key you know all the way down to middle school to mm -hmm. high school they have to be able to read and have that awareness let me ask you uh, also you were talking about uh, the whole child and and some of the things that we have to offer we've had a you know we had a uh, one of the podcasts was on the harbor okay so I, I wanted to just ask you as you're talking about this it pops up in my mind do we have a place at the harbor where people can get information about all that's available for early childhood education are we working in that endeavor and how does the harbor help you do what you want to do so we do have a case in Monero. Tell them what the harbor is. Well, first. okay. <laughs> so I'm going to try to try to jump on to what the harbor is and get it correct. You may know better than than it's me. It's a hub of resources. It's, yeah, I know it's over on yeah. Knight Street. Yeah. I know that the juvenile um, detention and Caddo Parish Schools came together to provide mm -hmm. this area. I've seen it. I've seen it over there. Um, so on one committee I work with, I work with Clay Walker, mm -hmm. and so I'm real connected with him. Um, but then to say we do have Casey Monero, who works mm -hmm. for Caddo Parish Schools, is located at the harbor. Right. Well, she's actually on the advisory council for the Early Childhood Ready Start Community Network. So she's part of our advisory council. So yes, in a way, we do have connection. I don't have materials or flyers over there, but maybe I I, I need to get those materials and flyers shop, over there. Then the children, <laughs> the parents of the older children, are also parents of the younger children. Yes, it'd be good to to have that available. That's just an idea. To me, that's what the harbor could do. Yes, if you could bring those things. Occasionally, together. Um, Casey will email me and say, "I just met a family. They have an early," and she'll connect me like like mm -hmm. that. But you, we also um, working with that we work with the attendance department and our McKinney Vento office and so they are good at finding families and helping these um, families find child care and are utilizing and connecting us and families and completing the applications for those um, eligibility for those scholarships so we've got a lot of fingers out there and there's still so much more of places that we could be um, and get that information you know, when out. When I think about literacy, you know, I think about when my parents sat me down and they taught me to read and then I did that with my children. And it just occurred to me that we we have a lot of adults who are who aren't literate themselves. How big a problem is that that we do, we don't have parents that can actually guide their children even at some of these youngest of ages. I think it speaks to um, what Doc was saying earlier. We do see in education the pendulum kind of swing and, and, and the shifts take place. And so the great thing about having conversations such as this and coming to the table and working collaboratively, that in conjunction with the research, the research has evolved and it has um, 
suggested that things of a four, it's not that we did the wrong things, it's mm -hmm. we did what we knew to do, and that was the best we had. But now, more brain research, more literacy research and things like that, we definitely believe that we're going to be able to move in the direction of closing the gap that you spoke to earlier. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's a prevalent problem across not our district or our state, across our nation. Mm -hmm. um, how, oftentimes we have parents that struggle with common core math and things of the like. Um, and so we just, we know that there's a problem. We know that we have solid research and science, the science of reading backing it mm -hmm. and saying, hey, this is how we take what we've done and we do it differently and we do it better. We do it in a systematic way and matter of instruction. And so that's what we're excited about. That's what the science of reading is about um, and the SOR initiatives that are out there. And that's what this, this marriage or this relationship between phonics and phonological awareness is all about. It's developing those readers. I think that one thing too, sometimes we talk to parents about reading to your child. And so we may have a family who cannot read. What's more important is to talk to your child. Mm -hmm. Talk about the pictures in the book. You don't have to read the words. Talk about the pictures. When you're going about your everyday task and you're fixing dinner or you're putting your shoes on, have parent narrate, what are you doing? Talk to that child and give them that language. Yeah. Well, Pam, let me you had taught, you had referred to the Community Foundation at one point when you were talking about some of the resources. Can you tell those uh, here in our audience about you know, what the Community Foundation is doing, what the community is doing and involvement of the early childhood education? I know I went to Baton Rouge the other day and talked to some people in Baton Rouge and they're working toward the same thing. I think everybody's working toward the more children that we can get early into education, the better off our society is going to be. But t uh, could you talk a little bit about what the Community Foundation yeah. is doing or any other things going yeah, on? Yeah, so community? I will say thank you to the Community Foundation because mm -hmm. they um, began the Early Childhood Summit. They began to educate um, people in our community and there's so many people that realize how important early childhood is and the access to early childhood is just not there. So they began a summit, began educating um, the community. We, um, Christy Gustafson began the ECE steering committee. We just started having a conversation and really diving into what there was. And then there was where if we raise local dollars, then the state matches those. It's a dollar for dollar match. So if we raise a million, and then through the community network, apply for those dollars with the State Department, then there's a million dollars. And so um, she has so many donors behind her. She is out in the community. Um, Christy is out talking. She's educating people. Um, we actually, they just had their community counts um, presentation where they launched statistics that have over the last year. And if I'm going to remember correctly, um, I do remember, I don't remember the exact percentage, but what we've studied now, the data that we've been gathering is that children who have been in early childhood programs are far exceeding their peers entering kindergarten than if they have just been at home. 
So whether it was early childhood in a child care center or Head Start or what have you, so we are seeing those numbers um, rise. And then with that, the city of Shreveport was one that um, put into our local match this last year as well. And so we received those dollars. And again, we're already, already working on school year 24-25. Mm raising dollars and we are already in that fundraising period so that in January we can submit to LDOE. We have raised X amount of dollars so that we get that match at well as well. So this we're looking to, we're looking to raise three million dollars <laughs> locally. <laughs> yep. Hopefully we'll get there. I I we need to because we have these children in these seats already. How are we gonna continue to fund them for another year? Yeah. Well, we've learned a lot. I mean, it's important for us to, uh, us and the viewers to know what we're talking about with early childhood education, the importance of it, as y'all have outlined, the changes, what we're doing as our community in early childhood education, um, and how we can do more. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that, but I got a couple more questions, more personal questions real quick, just to, uh, that I, we, we try to ask everyone that that's, uh, on the program. The first is, um, you know, you it's a mobile society and you can live wherever you wanted to live. And so the question is, why did you pick Shreveport Bossier? Why are you here? Okay, what's special about this community? Uh, well, <laughs> well, I have lived here all my life. I was born in Reston and moved here. I guess my family moved here maybe when I was two or three. I've been here my entire life. And so um, I love Shreveport. I've had a lot of friends who have moved off, you know, to the bigger cities. Um, but Shreveport's home. This is where I grew up. This is where I invest my time and energy as an educator. I invest into the children. And so um, I don't think I'll ever, ever not have when I'm out in the community, the grocery store, wherever, see little ones and think, I wonder what they're doing. They're going to grow up one day yeah. too. And I want them to be proud of where they live. And Shreveport just has lots of people who are, have Shreveport at their heart. You know, this is our home. Yeah. I grew up um, just down I-20 East in Minden. And so um, I've just had a love, a passion, and a thirst for education. And so, you know, for me, um, I've served here in Caddo for 16 years. I've called Caddo home for 16 years. Um, I'm a product of LSUS here mm -hmm. in Shreveport for both my undergrad as well as my graduate degree. And so I have served several families. And so, you know, for me, it's an assignment. I truly believe that it's my assignment to serve little people and serve babies. And I'm just privileged to do it alongside Caddo's Finest. And so. One, one last question is it, uh, just uh, a word of wisdom, your word of wisdom to the mm -hmm. audience there. Well, uh, what uh, word of wisdom do you want to leave with them? You have a word? I would say love your babies, love your children, talk to them, take time with them. You know, they are our future. They're going to grow up and be us before long, you know, and so mm -hmm. just invest in your children and just, you know, love on them, yeah. talk with them. All right. Okay. Yes. My All word right. of wisdom would be um, when you're thinking of investment, education mm -hmm. is 
arguably one of the best investments you can make and that begins at home, what you do with your little ones at home, as well as the relationships that you cultivate with the teachers and, and stakeholders. It is the best investment, very good. <laughs> All right, well thank y'all very much for, thank for you. what you yeah. do and uh, how you take, uh, take up the issue of early childhood education and try to let, let us know what's going on. Um, and how important it is for our community. So thank you very much. It's our absolute it. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for joining us for Education Checkup. You can view our other podcast as well, anywhere that you listen to them, or of course, just go to our website at ktbs.com slash podcast. Have a good day, and we'll see you next time on Education Checkup.